Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We definitely can tell them to be Welcome to Inside Politics, live from Iowa. Here we go. The first votes of the 2024 presidential election are tonight. After months of rallies and tens of millions of dollars in campaign ads, voters will finally have their say. And in the last few hours, candidates are scrambling to reach as many of those voters as possible. We have to get it done quickly. We have to set the stage. Think of the fact that you might be making history at this moment. May our nation's best days actually still be ahead of us. Here in Iowa, you have the ability uh, to change the trajectory uh, of American politics. Tonight will come down to the one word we use each and every election day, turnout. Who can get the most voters out? The record-breaking cold weather here in Iowa will make that even harder than ever before. Take a look at the scene outside right now. Sub-zero temperatures, dangerous conditions, complicating travel to the caucus sites. 1,657 separate caucus sites across the state. It is a crucial night where we'll learn how strong Donald Trump's grip on the Republican Party really is and if any of his rivals can beat expectations and change the nature of this race. CNN is covering these Iowa caucuses from all angles. I want to start with Elena Treen, who's been following the Trump campaign. Elena? Uh, well, uh, good afternoon, Dana. I, I really want to focus on Donald Trump's closing arguments to Iowans over the weekend. And his main message was to please turn out and caucus. We know that um, over the past several days that Donald Trump's team has been a bit concerned about turnout. That's in part due to the frigid temperatures here in Iowa, the record uh, cold that we are seeing for a caucus. Um, but it's also in part due to his commanding lead in the poll. His advisors uh, tell us that they are a bit concerned that people may look at his lead in the polls and assume that they can stay home, that Donald Trump is going to win this regardless. And, and really, Trump has been saying, don't do that. I need you to turn out uh, and show up for me. Take a listen to what he told his supporters in Indianola yesterday. It's nasty out there. You know, <laughs> from the airplane to the car was about 20 feet. And I'm saying, wow, that's you blowing it. You have a hard time reaching. You have a hard time reaching it. But it's, it's getting better. Uh, I worry about that. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, darling, I gotta make it. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it, remember? Now, Dana, um, 
a pretty remarkable uh, comments from the former president, and he was clearly joking a bit there. But look, um, the message is we really need people to come out and turn out. We know that a key part of Donald Trump's uh, ground game strategy here in Iowa is to try and turn out as many caucus goers as possible, specifically first-time caucus goers. And the main goal as well is not only to win Iowa, but they want to win Iowa by a big enough and definitive enough lead to set the tone for the rest of the primary season and also to try and blunt the momentum of Donald Trump's Republican rivals, namely Nikki Haley. Dana? All right, Elena, thank you so much. Yes, we are told he is uh, very concerned about the idea that people are going to feel complacent, that he has such a big lead that he uh, won't get his people out. So we're going to be monitoring that tonight. And now I want to go to Eva McKend. Eva, Nikki Haley has already held her first event of this caucus day. What does she say? That's right, Dana. She was over at the Drake Diner, a popular spot here in Des Moines. And she was telling voters that she was excited, that she's not worried about the weather, that she feels as though there is momentum on the ground and that people will, in fact, turn out. You know, she has centered her campaign on this electability argument, arguing that she would be the strongest candidate to go up against President Biden in the fall. She's now telling Iowans that they have the opportunity tonight to set the tone for this conversation. Contest. Today is the day we make history. Today is the day we make history because we tune out the noise of the media, we tune out the noise of the politicians, and we raise the voices of Americans that say, we want a better day, we're going to make it happen. Now, interestingly enough, at the end of that, she said that she would take uh, Trump over Biden any day of the week. But she is hoping that that is not the outcome in this contest. But the big question on many folks' minds, uh, Dana, are will Iowans turn out? Some of the roads in the more rural areas of this state have still not been uh, plowed. But listen, I'm speaking to Iowans and they're telling me that they will turn out, that they take this process very seriously, that they think it is a huge honor that it's such a unique thing in this country that they have the opportunity to hear from presidential candidates, sometimes multiple times. Not every state has that chance and that they want to come out tonight in their community and have their voices heard. Dana. OK, Eva. And uh, yes, you'd certainly know from experience about what it's like to get your car stuck in a snowbank. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Appreciate your great reporting here, I, uh, Eva. Thank you so much. And uh, like Eva, I've been here in the Hawkeye State for the final stretch of this campaign, speaking directly to voters and candidates themselves. Here's what Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have told me in the last 12 hours as they make their closing arguments. Donald Trump is the party of the Washington, D.C. establishment. They've lined up behind him. Uh, I am the part, I'm the candidate that would be a change agent in Washington, D.C., and I like that contrast. I'm a conservative governor. I was a conservative ambassador. I'm going to be a conservative president. But at the end of the day, I'm going to treat people with respect. I'm going to over-communicate everything that's happening all the time, and I'm going to focus on lifting up everybody, not just a select few. 
want to bring in my great panel of reporters who are also here trudging through the snow uh, and the cold weather here. Jeff Zeleny and Kristen Holmes, both of CNN, and Estet Herndon of the New York Times. It's finally here. Here we are. I know. It's uh, it's hard not to be to be giddy, particularly for, uh, for people like us. I will say you can't see my feet, but I am wearing the same boots that I wore in 2000 when I covered the Bradley campaign here. Oh, I think I need some new treads on these, on these snow boots. Uh, let's just give, start by setting the table with a little bit of history, and that is the winning margins here in Iowa over the past several cycles, uh, starting in competitive uh, caucuses for Republicans. Ted Cruz won by just a little bit more than 3%. Rick Santorum, not even a full percentage point, 0.1%. Uh, Mike Huckabee had a pretty big win for, by Iowa standards, over 9%. George W. Bush, even bigger, 10. Bob Dole, 3 uh, and then Bob Dole in 1988, even bigger. I, I don't think you go all the way back to Bob Dole, uh, Jeff Zeleny, but I think what you started covering back in 2000, right? In so the Bush campaign. All of those. And I was looking back at that this morning, the same year that you were breaking out those boots. George W. Bush <laughs> uh, won here in Iowa with 41% of the vote. That was extraordinary. I'm not sure that history is our best guide for this because there is a former incumbent president who's running. And one thing has been stable throughout the uh, turn of the season here in Iowa, from spring to summer to fall, now back to winter, is that Donald Trump has had this commanding lead of this race. So, yes, his campaign is pointing to that 1988 figure mm -hmm. with Bob Dole, but that is not the expectation. The reality is the final Des Moines Register poll yesterday, the gold standard of polling, showed him 28 points up. He doesn't necessarily have to hit that, but 12 points would be considered a big setback. So look, as we're looking tonight, is the former president going to go beyond 50%? If he does, that is a remarkable uh, figure. One other thing we're looking at, Nikki Haley, she's been on the move here, but what if that poll raised her expectations? Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is I've been checking around with some undecided voters, and there really have been a lot of them over the last yeah. several days, as you've met between uh, Haley and DeSantis. Uh, there actually are some people who aren't turning out. I talked to one person oh, wow. this morning in western Iowa. She said her street is still not cleared. Mm. So for all those caucus sites we talked about, 28 counties in Iowa only have one caucus location. People will be driving a long distance in some rural areas. Yep. Will that hurt Trump? Yeah. Will it help Haley here in the suburbs? All those things we're thinking about as the day goes on. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point. Oh, all the points you made were great points, but the rural areas in particular, which does tend to be Trump country and in any state, but especially And Trump's team is sending cars to certain people. Mm -hmm. They have cars in various areas of I the state. I hope they're trucks, not the cars. Trucks, <laughs> trucks, I assume trucks as well with four-wheel drive, but they are anticipating the snow, they were anticipating the weather, and they also know that the rural areas were hit the hardest, mm -hmm. so they do have an operation in place to get people to those caucus sites. Okay, one of the things that we cannot lose sight of, which is uh, really the, the most important dynamic right here in Iowa, and maybe going forward we're, we're gonna see, is Donald Trump his staying power, how devoted his supporters are to him. I came with you yesterday to his event here in Iowa. Uh, it was fascinating to be back out on the trail with him. I spoke to one of the people who is going to be a, a caucus captain. She was wearing the white hat with the gold letters, special hat. special hat. And she talked to me about why she is so committed to Donald Trump. Take a listen. Was there any point that you said, mm, I'll consider one of the other Republican candidates? No, never. Never. You're completely committed? Yes. How come? How yep. come? Because he will, he is for the people and 
I fully believe that God will bless him as he seeks the Lord in serving our nation, serving our people. And it's a joy to serve the Lord as I help reach out for President Trump. And Kristen, I asked her, is there anything that he could do that would make you walk away from her, uh, from him? And she looked at me like I was, like I had just, and she said, no, I lost my mind. Absolutely not. Nothing. And she said, well, I mean, if he does something really bad. <laughs> and I said, I'm guessing January 6th is not part of that. And she said, absolutely not. That didn't happen. That wasn't him. <laughs> yeah. That is what Donald Trump's team is really banking on, is that devotion that he has from his supporters. Donald Trump himself has expressed a lot of concern about what is going to happen on Monday. One, he goes back to 2016 all the time when he lost Iowa to Ted Cruz. It's something that still bothers him. It's something that still he fears could happen again. His team has told him repeatedly that your supporters are more devoted than any other supporters, meaning that if the weather is a impact on some people turning out, it is likely to impact other campaigns and not yours. But it's not easing his concern. And they are, you know, Jeff really brought up a really good point here, which is they have been leading by 30 points, 28 points. They want the biggest margin possible, but they are tempering expectations too. They know that it's possible that turnout is going to be lower than expected. This is also a little different of a Trump operation. From 2016 to now, they have gotten more targeted. They know their voters a lot more clearly. And when I talk to Trump people, they say that's what's going to help them today, is that they're not as haphazard of, op of an operation as they were in 2016, but they know who they need to send those cars to. They know the communities that have those kind of untapped Trump supporters, and they're specifically looking at first-time caucus goers to try to change the makeup of that electorate. So I think this, you know, is certainly a, a, where, a, a day we're looking at the margin for whether Trump can actually live up to that polling. But I also think this is a campaign operation that is well, more well-suited to deal with these conditions yeah. than the Trump campaign we knew in 2016. Yeah, one sure. thing to add, if it works today, if he comes out of Iowa with a 20 or 30-point lead, this is the strategy that they are going to deploy if he's the nominee yeah. in every state of uh, let's talk a little bit more about the former president looking over his shoulder. And he seems to be looking much more over his shoulder at Nikki Haley. I'm not suggesting that any poll shows she's anywhere near him. But the real race here is for second place. Listen to what he did on the trail yesterday. Stepped up his attack on her and what she said to me in response. And Nikki did a good job. She was okay, but she's not right to be president. I know it very well. The wrong, the wrong thought process, the wrong policy. And honestly, she's not tough enough. She's not tough enough. I find it comical because when I was at the UN, he always used to tell people, don't mess with her. She's tough. And look, I was tough as a governor. You know, I took on, you know, whether it was like passing the toughest illegal immigration law in the country, whether it was taking on my own legislature when I made them start to record their votes on the record, um, whether it was at the UN with Russia, China, and Iran. Everybody that's ever worked for me or worked with me, no one ever questions my toughness. So, I mean, she's basically saying, bring it on. Without a doubt. And if, if she's saying that here or for New Hampshire, probably both, that's clearly what he's trying to do. Uh, I think by uh, him saying that, that could sort of energize some of her voters because it's a very uh, thinly veiled, perhaps sexist remark saying she's not tough enough. Anyone who's watched a debate that you moderated right here in Iowa last week and has really seen a lot of her, they think she's pretty tough. I ran into a voter last week at one of her events, Ann Wagner, and I was thinking about that this morning. 
she said that she wants to send a message with her vote for Haley here that the race should go on and that everyone is not a Trump supporter and that they are concerned about this. So I think as we sort of step back, we've covered you know so many ins and outs of the legal cases, but this is the first time tonight that voters will weigh in, Republicans, and say this is the person we want mm -hmm. to sort of uh, have a rematch with the former president. So I think that uh, one place and other things, she's obviously focusing on the suburbs. It's right. the Marco Rubio strategy, if yes. you will. He narrowed, he almost beat Donald Trump here in 2016. It was just a one percentage point yeah. difference. So the suburbs, the votes, and they've grown considerably since then. Dallas County and Polk County, the two big population centers, that's her strength. So look for that tonight. That's what she is trying to do. She's not as organized as DeSantis, yeah. but boy, I'm looking at those population centers. We and, talked about 2000. Iowa's grown and changed significantly since then. And I just want to uh, quickly play off of that because one of the things that uh, DeSantis has been saying, if you look at the Des Moines Register poll, is that, and he's, he's got facts to back it up or data, that some of her support, more, more of her support than other candidates comes from independents and even some Democrats. Mm -hmm. Listen to what DeSantis told me about that and then what Haley told me. There's only two possible nominees Donald Trump or, or Governor DeSantis were the only ones that have strong support amongst bedrock Republican conservative voters. And like to win a Republican nomination, you have got to be able to do that. Does it concern you in a Republican contest that it's not sort of more of the Republicans and it's more of the Democrats and particularly the independents? No, because it's exactly what I told the Republican Party they should do. To me, Republicans have lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president. That's nothing to be proud of. We should want to win the majority of Americans. You know, that's primary rhetoric versus general election rhetoric, right? Ron DeSantis is making a clear argument saying that he has the only one that's the ceiling with the base Republican voter. That's reflected in how when we talk to people, they really do often see Nikki Haley as a kind of creature of the establishment or someone who reflects more of a moderate independence slice, but that's not where the base of the party is. Nikki Haley's pointing to the general election, talking about where Republicans have really faltered over the last couple of years. Yeah. But the problem is she's got to get there she's first. Get there. She's <laughs> making the electability argument, of course. which we'll see if anybody's really listening to that. We're going to take a quick break. The final pitches, last minute endorsements, frigid temperatures. We've got it all here, folks. And it all matters. A closer look at the counties. We heard Jeff talking a little bit about that. Critical in these caucuses. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. 
It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. A live look across Des Moines where it is cold. I mean, it's frigid, to be honest. The sun is out. That's good. It's picturesque. It's gorgeous over at the state capitol. But it is minus one degrees. And that is without the wind chill factor. The last time it was anywhere near this cold was 2004. It was 16 degrees. And that is a daytime high. Check this out. I took a photo. I was watching local news of what the temperature was over the weekend. I mean, that just gives you a sense. It's actually hard to describe how cold it is here. It is becoming a little clearer just who exactly is going to make up the candidates' voter bases. Among the highlights, former President Donald Trump is firming up support with the state's influential evangelicals and college-educated conservatives. And Nikki Haley is bringing in support from independents and crossover Democrats. CNN's John Berman is joining us live at the Magic Wall to give us a better sense of what the stakes are and where we should be watching this Hawkeye State tonight. John. Let me just say, what is a feels-like temperature of minus 38? Because I have no idea what minus 38 <laughs> feels like. I, it, it chills me to even think <laughs> about hurts. what that feels it's like. It's actually physically painful. <laughs> it, it sounds like it. All right. Each of these candidates has a lot at stake here, but each one of them has sort of different stakes. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Obviously, he's got this expectations issue right now with polls showing him at or near 50 percent. He wants to achieve a huge victory, an historic victory. The closest anyone ever got to 50 was in the year 2000. That was George W. Bush at 41 percent. Donald Trump wants to do better than that now. Ron DeSantis is running a fairly traditional Iowa caucus campaign. What do I mean by that? He's trying to appeal to evangelical voters. Where are the evangelical voters in Iowa? And sometimes they can make up 50 to 60 percent of Iowa caucus goers. They're here in the northwestern corner of the state. These areas, wherever you see the darker shades, that's where they have the greatest density of evangelical voters. I said this is a traditional campaign because look at these areas right here. Let's go back to 2016 and you can see the yellow is where Ted Cruz won. By and large, the heavily evangelical areas, that is where Ted Cruz did well. This is a different election, though. There's something I want to show you that really blew my mind, and I think you'll appreciate this, too. Let's look at these two northwestern counties right here. <clears throat> we'll dig in to Lyon County, which is very evangelical. Donald Trump didn't even finish in the top three in 2016. It was Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Ben Carson, just to the south, Sioux County, also a large evangelical population. Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Ben Carson, Donald Trump, not among the top three in these heavily evangelical counties. That is not what we expect this time. The Des Moines Register poll has Donald Trump with the majority of evangelical support. So that could look very different. While we have 2016 up here, uh, let me give you one more comparison here. Nikki Haley, is running a campaign. I think Jeff Zeleny said this a little bit like the Marco Rubio model. Now, it's a little hard to tell because Rubio and Trump are both red. Rubio is a brighter red. You can see Marco Rubio won in Des Moines, in Ames, where Iowa State University is, Iowa City, Davenport, these urban 
suburban areas is where Marco Rubio did well, a very strong third place. Not coincidentally, that is where Joe Biden, he won six counties out of the 99 in the 2020 election. But a lot of them were those very same areas, Dana, where Marco Rubio did well in 2016. That is where Nikki Haley wants to pick up a lot of votes. So fascinating. Thank you for showing us that. We're going to talk to Dave Kochel, a, a veteran Republican here in Iowa, a little bit more about that very point. John, thank you so much. I've had a chance here in Iowa to talk to a lot of voters about who they like and why. A surprising number are still undecided, including Donald G. Who are you leaning towards? Uh, I'm leaning towards, I think, Nikki Haley or DeSantis. I really... Um, I think Governor Reynolds in Iowa, Kim Reynolds, a lot of people really respect her opinion, and I think her endorsement of DeSantis mattered a lot. Does it matter to you? It does, yeah. Um, so that's why I'm kind of in between Nikki Haley and DeSantis, because I, I really like Nikki Haley. I think she'd be an incredible first female president, um, and uh, but Kim Reynolds' support of DeSantis, maybe like reconsider and think through, really want to look at both of them. So he's trying to figure out who he's going to vote for other than Donald Trump. We're going to hear from some more voters uh, a little later in the program. And a top Iowa Republican strategist is here next. It is Iowa Caucus Day, and I've been here over the weekend and spent some time talking to likely caucus goers. I talked to them at rallies and at events with candidates. Listen to some of them, starting with a woman who says that she is one of Donald Trump's biggest fans. He says what he's going to do, and he's not afraid to do it. He's the one that started building the wall, and they all poo-pooed it. And now, oh, shocker, the wall was kind of a good idea. So maybe we should do that. But and and with the economy, I know that everything was prospering under Donald Trump and he's got a track record that he's already proven. If not Nikki Haley, who else is on your list? Well, I was decided on DeSantis until the last debate at Drake University. And even though the media said that DeSantis won, in my mind, after 15 minutes, she won because of the way she carried herself and she was just convincing to me and made me decide to vote for her. You said that you were a Trumper for eight years. Did you caucus for Donald Trump in 2016? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was a strong Trumper at that point. But it was starting even then to wane a little bit because I didn't see him following through with what he had promised. You know, he had said, I'm going to build a wall and the Mexicans are going to pay for it. Well, he got maybe a third of a wall and the Mexicans didn't pay for it. And he made all of these promises about what he was going to do to improve the economy. And here he got us in $8 trillion more debt. We lost a lot of jobs. I want to bring in my next guest, who has been a part of a number of Iowa campaigns. Dave Kochel is a Republican strategist who helped shape Mitt Romney and Jeb Bush's campaigns, among others, here in the Hawkeye State. Nice to see you. Okay, so tell me the story of getting in your car this morning and why you think that is actually going to impact tonight's caucuses. Yeah, listen, I got in my car at 6 o'clock this morning to come right here at the Mars Cafe 
And uh, I didn't have a garage because I'm, I just wasn't in a garage with that car. I got in, it felt like an ice box. I wanted to get right back out. So a lot of people are talking about, well, what, what makes you go to the Coxes? What's the best predictor? Is it prior Cox attendance? Is it just enthusiasm for a candidate? I think a heated garage is actually gonna be a factor. Seriously, you do not wanna get in a car that's 15 below zero and try to drive to your caucus if you can help it. So it could benefit uh, candidates who have support, maybe in suburbs, maybe a little more affluent. So I'm, I'm just sort of thinking about a viewer right now looking at us talking, saying, give me a break. It's Iowa. It's cold. It's always yeah. cold. You're an Iowan. Yeah. It, it is different this time. It's different this time. And it is time. going to be a factor even for hardy Iowans. Sure. I mean, yeah. I think we talked about this before. There's risk in this. Dead car battery. Mm -hmm go off the road, nobody's coming by because nobody's out on the roads. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, frostbite, I mean, there's real risk here. Yeah. And I do think it's gonna diminish turnout some. We don't know how much, but it's gonna happen. One of the big uh, questions, of course, is the organization. You know, you have Donald Trump, even DeSantis, saying, we've got people, if you can't leave your house, we're gonna come pick you up, yeah. we need childcare, we're gonna help you do that. I want you to listen to Sherry uh, Veraldi, who you heard a little bit earlier, Talk about the difference between 2016 and now. Is there a difference in 2024 versus 2016 when it comes to the um, amount that you're hearing from the Trump campaign? Oh, like are they reaching out to you more now than they did? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we get flyers in the mail and things like that. And I'm, well, I've got my email, so I get emails and things. And that didn't happen in 2016? No. Mm-mm. Nope. So you feel like there's more, more of a, yeah, more engaged. Yeah, definitely. So go Trump. That matters. It sure does. And he didn't have this organization eight years ago. He was leading uh, Cruz in the polls going in the final weekend. He ends up, or he was winning the polls versus Cruz. He ends up losing because Cruz just had a much better turnout and machine. And you do see it grassroots. is different for Trump It now. is totally different this time. They've got these white hats with gold leaf. They're yeah. very hot right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they've got a packet that they send out to their caucus chairs. It is one of the best and most detailed I've ever seen. So oh, wow. they have taken nothing, taken nothing for granted. And I think it's going to make a difference for him tonight. I have to ask you about the map. Yes. Uh, you heard John Berman. Uh, smartly pointing out the counties where Marco Rubio did well, because yes. he almost beat Donald Trump here in 2016. Mm -hmm. Those are the places you are looking for Nikki Haley yeah. to pump pump up her vote if yeah. she wants to beat DeSantis for second place. Right. It's about six counties. It's uh, Dallas Polk. It's uh, Story. It's Lynn County, Cedar Rapids. It's yeah. Johnson and Scott. Those counties have a huge population. Uh, she could win those five counties. DeSantis could win 20 counties and she might finish much better just because that's where the votes are. And they're more affluent, they're higher education. She indexes with those voters. And I think that's where I'm gonna, that's where I'm gonna be watching to see whether or not she breaks through and has a good night and leaves Iowa on fire into New Hampshire. Okay, Dave Cottrell, thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate it, even if your car was very cold. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Up next, once the GOP darling Florida Governor Ron DeSantis battles for a second place finish to save his presidential campaign, he says he's not worried, though. Nikki Haley could not possibly beat Donald Trump. She doesn't have enough support amongst core conservatives. What if you come in third? We're going we're gonna to do well. Check what out. is well? We're going to do well. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. 
One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. No one has more riding on tonight's results than Ron DeSantis. His campaign has put virtually all of its eggs in this basket right here in Iowa, and they're hoping that his laser focus and all of the resources here, including visiting all 99 counties, pays off. Here's what he said this morning when I asked how he's going to define success tonight. How do you define it? Well, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of, of, of narrative trying to say that, you know, that we haven't been doing well when I think we were doing things on the ground that may not be as flashy, but that are going to come to fruition. I want to go now to Steve Conterno, who has been covering Ron DeSantis for years now as a Florida political reporter. Steve, so Ron DeSantis once looked like the Republican Party's future. Now it's very unclear if that is the case, certainly in the short term. That's right, Dan. And if you think back to 2022, at the peak of his popularity, every Republican candidate wanted him to campaign for them. Every Republican group wanted him at their events. He, he, he has this resounding election night victory, 19-point uh, historic margin in Florida. Every Republican donor is handing him money, hand over fist. And then he makes this decision to wait all the way until May to get into this race. And I know he told you early today that he wanted to make good on his promise of voters, that he wanted to act with, a, with his electoral mandate and, and stay true to his style. But when I talk to his supporters time and again, the people who are around him say that more than any other decision, this is the one that they have been second guessing the most because it gave this large amount of time for, for Trump to define him and attack him, for Republicans to, to take another look at some of these other candidates who were expressing interest in the race. And some of those donors, by the way, were actually disenchanted by with what he did in Florida with that, with that electoral mandate. They didn't like that he passed the six-week abortion ban or that he went after Disney. And so he started the race in May limping into this primary instead of sprinting into it. And, and he has been spending the last nine months fighting that those headwinds and trying to recapture some of that energy. And he has done a lot to get some of that energy back. He is trying to manufacture enthusiasm, as you said, by visiting every county in Iowa, by making more than 100 stops here and, and, and knocking on nearly a million doors, doing all the work that past Iowa caucus winners have done. But they never anticipated all these indictments against Trump, that the popularity of Trump would endure to this to this degree. And now he comes into caucus night again, trying to get momentum instead of running into this caucus. Yeah, Steve, it was really interesting to hear Donald Trump. I was at his rally yesterday bragging about the fact that he made the very deliberate strategic decision to dump millions of dollars uh, in very, very harsh negative ads on DeSantis before he was in the race in order to try to blunt any momentum he could have. And that was at a time when Donald Trump, sort of not long after the midterms in 2022, when he was at a low point. And, you know, it 
it did work. Negative ads, people don't like them, but they do tend to work. And it, at least in the short term, it's helped keep Ron DeSantis very, very far behind Trump. That's right. And it also wounded him enough where you had all these other candidates say, hey, look, Ron DeSantis maybe isn't the biggest threat to Trump. He might not be the, the, uh, the unchallenged alternative to Trump. And so you had Nikki Haley get in the race. You had Tim Scott, Mike Pence, all these other candidates suddenly taking away a time and attention from DeSantis and, and stealing some of the spotlight at a time where he thought he was going to be a, a one-on-one -on -one candidate against yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I want to bring CNN's Jeff Zeleny back in. Uh, we have been together this weekend. You've been here a lot longer than this weekend, uh, just kind of getting a lay of the land. One of the things that we all like to do as reporters is go out with canvassers and as they knock on doors and say, are you going to go out? Can I count on you to caucus? You did that. Uh, and it wasn't exactly smooth sailing. It wasn't, and that's one of the issues. I mean, the people who are at the rallies, if you're going to go to a rally on Saturday or Sunday, you're going to go to the caucus Monday mm -hmm. night. So we went out for a little while here in the suburbs of Des Moines in Johnston, Iowa, with some people from AFP. That's uh, the, the Coke network that's supporting the Haley campaign, and they really hurt infrastructure here. We went door by door with a Drew Klein, a longtime activist here. I don't know if we have some of that video to play, but he uh, was knocking on doors, and a few people said, uh, no, Oh, it's too cold, we're not going out. And one person said, uh, I'm definitely not going out a few expletives. So their question here is, um, the, the ground game now all comes into such a play. And he was going door by door in this key Johnston area. So I'll be looking at those results tonight in the suburbs. But behind the scenes, what's happening right now, all the campaigns are making phone calls, going back to their supporters to make sure they turn out tonight. So in the brutal cold, some of those, uh, no, we're not gonna make it. Um, that's pretty telling tonight. So the, it's one of the reasons Republican officials here are saying they're not going to be high uh, turnout. The yeah. 186 number from a 2016, that is being downgraded significantly. And that could have a big effect on a variety right. of ways. We don't know how that will turn out. So this is one thing you really can't spin. The weather is unpredictable for all of the strategy here. I mean, how lucky am I that I get to be in Iowa on caucus day with Jeff Zeleny? Same here. It's been great to see you. The Des Moines Register, Zef Jeff Zeleny from 2000? <laughs> 2000, back 2000. in the day among other things. Uh, it is a small state that can make a massive impact on the political world. Up next, why this Iowa caucus day will be like night, I should say, like no other. Stay with us. Just a few hours to go now until Iowa Republicans meet to cast the first votes of this presidential contest. Some argue that Republicans and the primary itself has been frozen in place. See what I did there? Since it began, since it essentially began. Joining me now is CNN senior political analyst and senior editor at The Atlantic, Ron Brownstein. Some people say. Okay, some people say. Take this whole thing up to yeah. 30,000 feet for us. We've been talking a lot about the granular details right. which are important. Put it in perspective. Look, I think the big picture is that the leading Republicans are refusing to grapple with the big picture. The most important issue facing the party and the country in this race is whether Donald Trump is fit to be president or whether he is a threat to American democracy as we have known it. And the other leading candidates, with only the few exceptions like Chris Christie, maybe Mike Pence in his way, they have 
knotted themselves into pretzels to avoid addressing that issue. And as Christie said, that's been a moral failure, but it's also been in practical political terms a failure because it's left them contorting themselves, trying to find a meaningful distinction with Trump. Well, you, and you write uh, in a new article in The Atlantic today, the headline is Republican opponents have never appeared to have the heart for making an all-out case against him. And you just explained the argument yeah. there. I would push back and say, in talking to voter after voter who are still very much in the camp of Donald Trump, and even if they're not sure, they don't want people to criticize Donald Trump, yeah. aren't they just doing what the voters want? Or you, yeah. you think it's a chicken and egg? Oh, thing? I think if they were more aggressive. Oh, I, it I think it's, look, it, it, I think it is a chicken and egg thing that ultimately they are not hearing from voters they trust, uh, from voices they trust, a coherent uh, case against Trump. DeSantis has worked himself into uh, a, a kind of full-fledged argument against Trump. It's a very idiosyncratic one. He's running at him from the right. He is basically saying you can't trust Donald Trump to deliver the America first agenda. And I think we're going to see tonight there is a limited audience for that message. His problem has been more, I think, of conception than execution, which is what is usually focused on in his case. Haley has really chosen to avoid almost any value judgments about Trump. You have to give her credit. She's outlasted all the boys on the stage. She is likely she to emerge. She has criticized January 6th. She has, but, but pretty, pretty modestly, I think. The, 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 look, she is likely to emerge after New Hampshire as the principal alternative to Trump. But right now, those three words, rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him, really is the definition of her campaign. And if she is going to take this to another level, which she may have the chance to do after New Hampshire, I think many agree that she is going to have to find a sharper line of argument against Donald Trump. The best argument for her, this wasn't the place to do it, Iowa, conservative electorate. New Hampshire certainly is. If she has more to say, maybe we'll hear it as soon as tonight. Yeah, to quote one of my uh, colleagues, we can't lose the forest through the trees yes. here. This is Donald Trump's uh, contest yeah. to, uh, for anyone has to come close to him and he's probably going to be far and away unless we have a surprise. And you know what? Iowa mm -hmm. voters do like to <laughs> surprise us and we love that because you're the ones who make the decision. Uh, thanks so much, yes. Ron. A quick reminder, our coverage of the 2024 Iowa caucuses will start at 4 p.m. Eastern right here at CNN. I will be at a caucus site with some colleagues. It's going to be really fun. Please tune in. Thank you so much for joining me this hour on Inside Politics. CNN News Central starts after a break. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.